Everybody, it's your girl E, and this is The Call, where we talk to inspiring and dynamic women about their journey to answer their life's calling. You know, I really hope that someone, maybe you, are listening right now from an epic vacation spot. I hope you're chilling and looking at the water and not checking your email and not hustling and grinding and working. And yes, I, I want that because I care about you, but also because I want to live vicariously through you. <laughs> I am halfway through this summer and I've been so busy. I haven't even planned a vacation yet. Probably why I talk so much about self-care on the show and ask so many questions because it's a concept I myself have not grasped. But even if you are hustling and working right now and are not on vacation, today's interview is actually perfect. Because have you ever heard someone's voice that just forces you to slow down and listen and breathe deeply and hang on to every single word? Well, that's this week's guest, none other than storyteller Clementine Wamaria. Clementine was born in Rwanda and was only six years old when the Rwandan genocide broke out. She and her older sister Claire managed to escape the massacre and years later ended up somehow in Chicago. She first burst onto the national stage in 2006 in Chicago as a young girl who was invited to be on the Oprah Winfrey show and there was reunited with her family. The clip is on YouTube, y'all, and it is a tearjerker. But there's so much more to her story than that clip. And there's so much more to her story than the words that are often used to describe her. African, refugee, survivor of genocide. Each of those words or phrases bring with them connotations and assumptions about who she is. And it's such a timely story because as we hear the words immigrant and refugee now on almost a daily basis, it's easy to forget that there are full human stories behind those words and behind every headline. And those stories aren't just about war or conflict, but are about love and joy and identity and strength and, you know, a full life. Clementine just finished writing her memoir, which I encourage everyone to read. It is a beautiful, beautiful tale called The Girl Who Smiled Beads. She's determined to share what she considers the full, endless story of herself. While I was reading the memoir and I was also listening to her as she was talking in the interview, I was trying to think, okay, so everyone doesn't have a story this epic or this dynamic. What is the takeaway for all of us? And the Audre Lorde quote kept turning over my head. It's, if I didn't define myself for myself, I'd be crunched into other people's fantasies and eaten alive. This goes for all of us, even if you don't have a memoir that's going to make for one of the most beautiful stories of 2018. Knowing the value of your own story is important to not be put in other people's boxes or flattened by any label, whether the label's about your age or your gender, your sexual orientation, your race, your background, your economic status, whatever it is, it's important to know who you are and to share that on your journey while you're trying to figure out and answer your unique calling in the world, especially, as Clementine will tell us, because your story may help someone else. Anyway, I hope this conversation inspires you. Here's Clementine Mamaria on the call. Slid the sound travel. Let's do it, Clementine. I am so, you know how I feel about this. I'm so, it's been such a long time coming for us to have a conversation. I've known you and known, I wish we had more words in our language to describe because I have been around you or known of you for, for years. You talk in the book about how you have kind of become known over the course of the years telling your story. There are these moments in which you feel as if the audience and those who are listening see you as, quote, a genocide princess, right? There's this this mm-hmm. kind of um, 
caricature almost that is mm-hmm. seen sometimes as victims, sometimes as recipient of charity, sometimes the way I've uh, have I've always kind of heard you talked about as saint, right? This brave mm-hmm. saint who lived through a genocide. Mm-hmm. And what was beautiful mm-hmm. here is that you were able to say, no, I'm so, I'm so much more. Mm-hmm. And my story mm-hmm. is so much more. Absolutely. So I guess the question to start with was, so how would you describe your story? If you were going to say my story is the, the story of or a story of, how would you finish that? It's a story of so many people. So many people. I just happened to have a mic. Mm. I just happened to be that girl who doesn't stay quiet about the things that she sees. And, you know, since I was little, as you read, you know, I asked questions. And so what I saw, you know, growing up, whether it was really beautiful or the opposite of that, I want to talk about it. I really want to talk about it. Even though sometimes it feels like, well, why? Because people need to know about our experiences. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I really, I am one in the millions. Mm-hmm. And I'm sharing my story so that others also could get away from just being labeled as genocide survivors, as quote-unquote refugees. You said you wanted, you wanted to tell your story. Have you always wanted to tell it? Because I know that there were periods in reading through the the memoir that there were periods when understandably so you felt like this is too raw or you haven't earned. I think at one point you say something and I'm paraphrasing, but on the lines of responding to people's entitlement to your story, you haven't earned the right to kind of look at my pain or hear my pain. So how how do you reconcile that with also what you're saying is your kind of natural desire to share your story? Well, I want to share all of it, but I shopped my story at first as a fairy tale. There's this one particular fairy tale, The Girl Who Smiled Beads, a story that has allowed me to be Clementine. Mm. And so when I went to publishers, I actually wanted to write a children's book to expand on my imagination of who I was in this world that had an idea of how I'm supposed to be. Wow. And the publishers loved the backstory, not the front story. The front story is the girl who smile beads. The backstory is all the wars and the famine and all the darkness. But since I was a child, I love stories. Mm-hmm. I love to hear them. I love to tell them. I love to dance them. I love to cook them. <laughs> you know, I, I, I really just, I love being human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds silly, but I really love being alive. And once you've gone through the things that I have lived through, you value life a little bit more. And for me, is my value in life is to share. Mm-hmm. My experience shared now into a book is to heal me and allow me to continue to be the storyteller that I've always been since I was a child. Mm-hmm. N- not to tell the story of, of war. Yes, the story of war is there, but growing up in Rwanda, there's so many stories on how we live our life and how we're connected to all beings. And, and in Congo, there's all these different incredible stories of how we are supposed to live with water and fire and sound. 
In Malawi, it's same thing. In Tanzania, it's same thing. In South Africa, same thing. I want to really invest in our fairy tales mm. in different parts of the continent. And because I've had a pleasure of traveling and living all over, you know, Ireland has an incredible fairy tales. I just want to get those fairy tales out of people so that, you know, the children could help us imagine a world where the villain has actually a story and we could love the villain. We could understand the villain, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And you could understand the perpetrator, a person in that story, and like why they do what they do. Not be frozen as a villain and be frozen in that part or as a perpetrator and be frozen. And so I, I've always loved story and I just happen to have a really wild story that people are able to capitalize mm-hmm. on because it's very fearful. It's interesting because, so I too love story. I'm writing a book about story. So it's very rare that someone says something about story that I haven't thought about or talked about. But something you just said kind of gave me goosebumps when when you're talking about the, the difference between a story and a fairy tale. You said that you originally wanted this story to be presented and given, given to the world as a fairy tale. And I, I just mm-hmm. hearing the word fairy tale opens up a sense of imagination and and mm-hmm. beauty that I think mm-hmm. the stories that are are couched and framed so often about people and places around genocide, war, division, darkness, hate, mm-hmm. those are parts of stories. They're parts of mm-hmm. a full fairy tale, but there's something so beautiful about looking at one's life as a fairy tale. Absolutely. And I think it's just the idea of where we invest our energy, our time, our resources. And for me, growing up in Kigali, my mother invested all of her energy and time in her garden. You know, we had flowers from all over the world. We had all the tropical fruits all over. We had vegetables of all kinds. And my mother wanted to curate this story of like the Garden of Eden. Mm -hmm. That was her job. She really wanted to make that. And everybody came to our house to actually just be in the garden. And if you hadn't met my mother, you know, when probably you had a visitor from LA, she'd be like, where are you from? And you say, you know, wherever you're from, like, what is the flower of your city and you say I don't know it's like well find out and send me some seed you know and so she would like engineer the whole thing and make it possible to make sure that you know that the flower has grown Mm -hmm. and so it's it's the story my mother her fairy tale is to go back to that place that was so beautiful in the bible that welcomed us all right before the idea of adam and eve walking away my mom thought we could just stay in the garden Mm -hmm. why leave the garden we could just create the garden because we still have the earth and so what i mean by fairy tale you know, umugani in Kinyarwanda, umugani, it means adding on, adding mm-hmm. on. And so it's not just once upon a time and there's an end to it. No, it's once upon a time we add on. Mm. And so today you add on something and then tomorrow you add on and then your friend come and add mm-hmm. on. It's, it's so important for us to think about stories that are nurturing not only our bodies and our mind and our spirit, but also each other. Mm-hmm. And story of wars are not nurturing to anybody. Right. 
I love the idea of story, at, you know, at something that it is constantly or perpetually being added on to, right, that it is evolving mm-hmm. and growing and changing. You said in the book, you said, and this was at a particular period in time, but I think you said you often or at times even still feel this way. And the quote was, my life does not feel logical, sequential or inevitable. It's sometimes it's just fragments floating. And that's kind of the opposite of how we particularly in, in Western society think of story, right? That story is supposed to be very logical, sequential, inevitable, yes. mm. linear, right? Yeah, yeah. I, yes, I, I just think, and, and I've, I have both sides of the brain, mm-hmm. right? Because, I, you know, for the past 17 years, I've been trained as like an academic, you know? Um, and so I understand the the outcome of that and I understand the importance of that so I love the linear because then the linear there's a lot of things I can get done right Mm -hmm. but also I grew up you know with mukamana and you know and I think you could call it a nanny but it's it's when you're a little in Rwanda someone is sent from your family to come and really cater to your imagination and she told me stories that had no end and every day I add it on. Mm-hmm. And the girl who smiled bees is one of them. But the whole idea of Afrocentrism is, 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 is a full circle. It goes on and on and on and on, mm-hmm. right? And everybody can add on. Where in the linear is like, well, I'm the author, you know, I start and I end, you know, but that's not true, you know, even with my book. There's so many people who added on and I allow them to add on because I believe in adding mm-hmm. on. And if you go in different parts of like different parts of Africa, like from Congo to Tanzania to to Tanzania, Congo and Tanzania are a very important place in terms of storytelling because of all the empires that held and sustained Every life, really, all over the world. And Bakongo, when you are sitting, you know, maybe if it was just been a Seba Bembe, who I spent time with, is, is one of the largest, uh, largest uh, group of people in Zaire, well, now Congo. But even eating, you eat in giant platters. Like, everything is in a full circle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing, no one eats alone. Um, no one drinks alone. Everything is a full circle. Everything is around in full circle. All games you play are in full circle. Oh, I love that. You know, and, and so it gives you a way like everyone is a dot connecting to another mm-hmm. dot, connecting another dot, and you're making a full circle. So if we look at not just our relationships as dots and connecting, right, but the pieces and experiences of our life, if we look at that as um, also cyclical or a circle, right, and it's con- continuously yeah. growing. I'm curious to know what, and this kind of gets into the specifics a little bit of your story, but I think in a way that is relatable maybe to a lot of people. What do you do as you're going through life and you're adding on this story and experiencing all the things that you're experiencing, both beautiful and not so beautiful? Yeah. What do you do with the pain, with the trauma? The part of the story, it was so interesting when you said, you know, when I was going to sell this book or pitch it, I wanted to talk about you know, the fairy tale of it. And people just really wanted to talk about the pain, the darkness, the, yeah. I think there are some, there are multiple reasons for that, right? We all, we know that we live in a society that really profits from war porn and violence porn. There's that. 
But from a human mm-hmm. standpoint, I also think sometimes people want to hear that part because they want to know what to do with it. What do I do with all this pain? And in the book, you don't mm. give it. You do not give, and I respect this so much. You don't give. Mm an easy answer there I I kept flipping pages to see when is she going to say and then one day I went to therapy or and then Mm -hmm. one day I went to church and there was an answer and Mm -hmm. you never did that right there was no no answer to it there's never even till today you know that's the beauty of life you know for me it's just been about borrowing and 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 being lent different ways of being and so you know for me mending your heart Mm. mending your heart mending different parts of your body in which that carries pain it's sometimes into sound right is into words is into is into colors and as you see in the book I really do a lot of that and like that that experience was blight blue Mm -hmm. because I don't even have a language for Mm it for me it's just being able to lend some type of a way an author or an artist whichever form they're able to mend their own experiences you know for example in beginning of my talks I've been playing Nina Simone's Here Comes the Sun Mm. because that is one of the most beautiful and also connection to me and where I am here and the joys and the freedom that I am in because of many, 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 many of those who look like me and you, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that connection point of Nina Simone singing about the sun, here comes the sun, little darling, here comes the sun. And it's all right. You know, to think about those people, your ancestors, our ancestors, being under the sun in whichever place, Mm. for us to be together now, to have this conversation. Mm. And, And when Nina can sing like that, when Nina can sing like that and mend different parts of that pain that travels in different bodies till today, that is beyond, that is beyond space. Mm-hmm. That is beyond time. That is in, 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 in our genes, in our DNA, it's coded. Yeah. You know, you see, you, it's not visible. You can't subscribe that. You can't like... Put it in a label and put it in a bottle and take tell someone to take it. Yeah, it's, it's you know? in the blood and the bones. And it's in it's yeah. it's in the bones. It's in the bones. And and you know, like for me, that is what I'm talking about. Like I'm constantly feeling it. I'm constantly feeling that tune. And I'm constantly being open for that tune to take a place and be part of my body. Mm-hmm. If I say that song killed me completely, then where does Nina Simone go? Mm. You know? Yeah. So that is what I mean by that. There's no like, and here was the answers because I'm still alive. I'm still here. I'm still, my 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 body is still in need of, of 
to be catered to, to be held by sound, by mm-hmm. taste, by smell. And in the end, the end is when my heart stops and my breath stops. And until then? Until then, I am wide open, ready to take it all. <laughs> yes, yes. All of it, all of it, all of it. <laughs> so, Clementine, did you ever have a point in, you know, the process of living and mending and growing and storytelling, did you ever have a point when you thought about how this plays out in your day-to-day work and life? Or was it all just very organic? You know, people have been asking you to tell your story for years. And, you know, then you end up on Oprah and you end up with President Obama or with... And so those moments seem to happen as a result of who you are and the places in which you found yourself. So I'm curious, was there any kind of intentionality or, you know, deliberation around... So now what do I do with my life? You know, honestly, nothing has ever been organic. Like nothing has ever been planned. Mm-hmm. I just say yes and I and I just go, you know what happens when you're curious? Someone one of my friends recently said, "You know, you're curious, like a curious like a cat. You're going to get in trouble." I'm like, "I love getting in trouble." <laughs> I love looking around I'm like, "Uh-oh." What have I done? And then I scrumble with lawyers sometimes. And, you know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit, what did I do? But, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I've always been this person. And, you know, if you asked my mother and my father and my sister, they'll all will tell you she's always been that way. We always told her not to be, but she was and, mm-hmm. and she is. But it's because I'm so, like, I'm just so in love with this place called Earth and all, everybody just walking around, you know? And everybody was walking around. They have stories. They have places that they go and things that they like and things that they don't like and things that they hate. And they are angry and they're happy and they're sad. Mm -hmm. And I just really, I'm curious about how they deal with life, you know? And, And how they're accessing different information. And so... You know, honestly, I've just happened to be here, but I always wanted to be the girl whose smile beats because wherever she goes, she watches, she listens, and before she could say anything, she smiles and then gems appear, and gems are my words sometimes. Mm. And I'm just, I'm excited about culture and people, and and I'm just so excited to now everybody to have the story that they thought that they wanted without even knowing what they wanted out of me. <laughs> but when did you learn, though, that fascination and that curiosity and almost a sense of joy that comes from being around people or seeing people and connecting and, and sharing stories? When were you able to do that and express that in the world and still be fully yourself rather than kind of trying to erase the differences. And I say that because I'm thinking about a couple of points in your journey, right? Obviously, coming here, coming to this country and being so different and then being not just, you know, what people classified or thought of as a refugee, but also being one of a few (laughs) black people, right? Like all of these things that were different about you. And I I think I, I remember there being parts where you said, 
you didn't use the term invisible, but just this idea of, I, okay, I'll be whoever you want me to be right now. If this is what you want, you want me to tell my story, fine. Yeah. If you want me. When did you switch that and say, no, I'm going to be exactly who I am? You know, it's been in progress and it's it goes on and off. It's like, there are things you do to survive, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yep. there are things you do to just be yourself. I've mm-hmm. always been that. You know, I had to take naps when I was little so that my mother could let me go and play with like my friends who are like 80 years old <laughs> who would tell me stories and who was like, oh yeah, there was this time, you know, they'll make up things. They'll make up, you know, when I was growing up in Rwanda, you go to a place and, and uh, adults, uh, especially people who are, you know, above like 50, they're there to tell you stories. They're there to tell you tales of what used to be. Mm-hmm. And, and so if I, I have to take a nap, so that I could go to Bibi's house and Bibi could tell me stories, which is like grandma, everybody's your grandma, everyone's your grandpa, everyone's your aunt. And mm. if I could do that for her to give me, to share with me a story, I exchange it with the dance. And so I would go and I would, you know, put on radio and I would dance for like three minutes and then they would tell me a story for an hour. And then I would go and tell all my friends about this one particular story. And then I remember, uh, I remember... Really, actually, when I came to United States, I really want to go to school really badly. Um, I didn't speak English uh, when I was put in sixth grade. And and I just really did not like homework. I was like, what? I just live this adult life. I've raised two kids. And now you want me to sit down and do like scribble something on a piece of paper and memorize <laughs> stuff? I don't want to do any of this. But I remember because... I was living with a family that loved me, that cared for me, and that really wanted the best for me. I was like, I would do the homework for them, but on side, I want to be a cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go and dance, and I want to just, I want to dance. Mm-hmm. And so, um, m- most of the time, I always figure out a way to like do what other people wanted me to do to be able to like survive mm-hmm. and get a job, something like that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, do what I really enjoy, which is to just see people happy and dancing and enjoying themselves. But I remember in college, there was a time, maybe it was my sophomore year, when I was debating what major I should invest my time in and I'm super dyslexic and so words putting them on 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 anywhere it's really not fun and reading it's not really fun but I remember walking into the this office and saying that I wanted to be a literature major and this lady looking at me and like are you crazy you're dyslexic Um, (laughs) and I'm like yeah so you know throw me in there and I and I I dove in there I really wanted to not be behind like the 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 label in which some people think that is disability and I'm like Mm -hmm. no this is my different ableness you know I use audio I you know someone is able to be there to type my ideas or someone or I'm recording and putting there that's when I decided like I'm going to be me and I'm not going to lie about being me yes no I I can read but it's going to take me a while to read a full sentence but mm-hmm. I will read it I'm not hiding 
you know, that I've, I've suffered. I've lived in refugee camps. I'm not hiding. And so in every class, I just, I just figure out a way to just add in like, yeah, when we were in Zambia, when we were in South Africa, when we, and people are like, girl, this is not a memoir class. This is a <laughs> physics class. And I'm like, yeah, your, your physics matter, right? That's your background. You've taken a lot of physics in the back. But me, I had to walk. And I want to talk about walking right now. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it really is the definition of, of owning your story. This is who I am. This is how I got here. I love, there's um, a place in the book where you talk about sitting on this panel in Silicon Valley, and and they wanted to talk. I think it was Refugee Week or something like that. And they wanted, yeah. they had you on this panel, and this billionaire said something uh, like about how did you, you know, how does it feel to be one of us? And and you said actually, I'd rather you ask me how did you come to be here? Yes. Yes. How, what is the, what is the journey? Yes, because that gives us both an opportunity to learn from each other, rather than freezing me in a place and then and then looking at me and, and telling me that I'm one of you, you know. And I think when we freeze people into a certain label mm-hmm. and certain category, I think is a form of laziness. Mm. It really is just pure lazy. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm just inviting us to really, even to ourselves, because, you know, we carry the labels too. We carry these labels and these categories and we allow them to define ourselves. Then that's when it becomes easy to say, you're one of us or one of them or them versus us. Mm -hmm. You know, our human spirit, our human body, we are one of one. Mm-hmm. It's one heartbeat. It's every woman who's ever had a child. The first thing that they make sure, two things. First, breathing and heartbeat. Wow. You know, unless there's someone who is coming from Mars right now, like <laughs> as of now, this is us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> until then, until then. But even... Until then, I think we need to get our act together to realize that these labels and these categories and these titles have not served any of us. No. Even the people who think that it has served them, it's all a lie. It's all a lie. (laughs) Yeah. And I think in this moment, you talk in the book about survival, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, And to some extent, that's an element of your story is survival. Uh, and you say there's that true survival of the body and soul requires creativity, freedom of thought, and collaboration. And I love that, the idea that in order for us to survive, there's a, um, a gospel song by an artist called Hezekiah Walker that says, I need you, you need, you need me. me, we're uh-huh. all a part of God's body. And it talks about how I need, the, the song is called, I need you mm-hmm. to survive. And you could say it yes. both ways. I need you, Clementine, to survive. I want you to survive. But also, in order for me to survive, I need you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the breath in which I take and the heartbeat in which I exist on is that Turaba Nabimana. Turaba Nabimana. We're all children of a creator, creator of all things, all beings. 
the seen and unseen. And, and that is every little thing is a part of our humanity. And even science says so, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are all a just beat. We are all just vibration. We're all just waves of each other. And and so, as you said in that song, I need you to survive because your survival is kin to my survival. And mm-hmm. I even go beyond, like, we need the trees because we need to breathe. Right? <laughs> right, right. Right? We need all the animals because they are adding a part of our ecosystem. We mm-hmm. need everything and everybody. And, and this is why I'm coming back to my mother's garden. For her, my mother, it's that we're always in the garden. We've always been the garden. We've never, we can leave the garden mentally. Mm-hmm. It's actually not that we walked away. We are always in a garden. Everything is always catering to us so we could cater to it. Mm-hmm. And so in order for us to survive, we are living in survival. But that true survival is to allow us to evolve, you know, mm-hmm. to evolve. There are so many other species that are evolving, but we are eating them up, you know. Like right. We're killing every them. day. And, and but the thing is, we as a humans, we cannot do that. You know, um, I was at my friend's house the other day and and the dog was running around and he heard birds and and was ready to like pounce the cat. And, you know, and then we looked at them and we looked at him and I said, well, we do not eat our friends. We do not eat our <laughs> friends. <laughs> It's same thing with Cuban. This kind of behavior, we need to stop. Maybe we that happens during caveman time, but like we cannot, we can no longer afford to do that. I mean, yes, I, I, <laughs> that I needs am, to be I'm a campaign a far slogan. away. That yeah. needs to be a. We do not eat our friends. <laughs> no, we do not eat our friends. Same thing. We do not destroy our friend. We do not take our friend's breath away because Mm. their breath is our breath. Their heartbeat is our heartbeat. What drives you or in the spirit of the name of the show, the call, what calls you every day to kind of wake up and do this work and tell these stories? And, you know, I I think in your bio, formally, you call yourself a storyteller and a human's right advocate. Uh, What calls you every day? Because you could very easily say, "Eh, you know, I'll tell the story when I feel like telling the story or I'll help when I feel like helping or, you know, I may I may want to separate myself from all of all of that and all of the attention and but there's something that calls you to do what you're doing what is that yeah right now is really the spirits of my friends like my friends are you know I had a few of them here that they are working on companies they're really are getting married they're having children you know I am just so so in awe of their being and and creation and if I could continue be Clementine so that they could continue be themselves like I would do that any day and so you know my friends getting married and falling in love and I'm like how may I serve your love 
you know mm-hmm. and my friends having children is like how may i be the best auntie and make sure that there's no war that is going to get in the, in front of your children's imagination in a mm-hmm. way of creation a way of being you know and then there's one more thing right now that i'm sensing coming into our conversation lake tanganyika it goes from burundi congo and tanzania is the mm-hmm. longest fresh deep water in the world the water is crystal clear because it's it's literally hugged by a volcanic mountain the water purify itself and it is one of the most resor- the most beautiful resource in the world but the people who live around it are not able to get access to it the way they used to Mm-hmm. A whole civilization has been taken away from it. Relationship, all the songs in the places that I grew up between Kazimia to Vera in the part of that part of 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 the world. All songs, all myth, all the fairy tales are on that lake. In fact, I learned about America from that lake from someone from Rwanda when I was little. They said that When the sun sets on that lake, you can take it, grab it, reach it, and go under it. You could pick up the water like a carpet mm. and go under it and go meet all these different people in which I've been bumping into. Because I had to cross Lake Tanganyika to come here. Other people have had to cross Atlantic to come here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You see? Right now, that water, it's so important, part of mm-hmm. that whole community. Mm-hmm. And for me, I wake up wanting to go back to Lake Tanganyika and to go back and be with the people there who loved me, who fed me, who became my parents. And so right now, currently, that's what's making me wake up and being able to speak my truth. That's so beautiful. What would you say to the kind of young women, although not exclusively women, the people who are listening um, who are in possession of a story, right? We all are. We all have our, our story, um, who are in possession of a story and want to know how it can be of service. How, how are all of these disparate pieces of my life, which may not sound as exciting <laughs> as Clementine's or to someone else may be too painful to talk about, whatever, kind of wherever and however your story um, lives, What do you say to someone who says, how can I make this be of service? Well, I mean, there is that sort of, you know, I just did that TED Talk where I was reminding everybody to listen to their heartbeat, you know, heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Learn about your heart. Learn about your breath. They are so important to learn about. Learn about your heart. Learn about your breath before your breath, your heart is attacked and before your breath is about to be taken away. But also I would like to, I'm trying to find in my phone, one of my friend quoted me. Here it is. Your story, your story, no matter, no matter how the world has offered to your imagination and your life, your heartbeat and your breath, speak it. Dance it, sculpt it, paint it, whichever medium you choose. 
Tell your story. Celebrate being alive wherever you are. Clementine, thank you for sharing, speaking, dancing, singing, and writing your story. Thank you so much for for being here with me and being here with me in this journey of the girl who smile beads. I appreciate uh, it. I do too. I mean, I I have to go out and buy another. I wanted to give my sister um, <laughs> this book, but there are too many marks all over it, <laughs> like <laughs> highlighted yeah. and underlined. It's so beautiful. I'm so, I just I'm so happy for you and happy that we all get to share it and read this. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I told y'all, doesn't she have a beautiful voice and an even more beautiful spirit? Thank you so much to Clem for coming in and being on the call. This episode, like every episode, is produced by the amazing Melody Rowell and published by our friends at Man Repeller. I'm your host, E. Hit me up on social at Miss E. Will. Let me know what you thought of this episode and who else you'd like to hear from. And you know what? Until I talk to you again next week, y'all know what to do. Keep fighting, keep loving, keep dreaming, and above all, keep answering your call. Peace, y'all. Calling.